the last, uh, the series of eternal judgment that uh, we've been teaching on, uh, which is the last of the six foundational doctrines revealed to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And uh, we've been dealing with, um, of the previous teaching and in this teaching, we're dealing with the topic of the unbelievers' judgment that they will incur uh, on their day of judgment. And we saw in uh, the previous teaching that uh, the unbelievers will incur their judgment at the second resurrection. And uh, we saw in Scripture that there are in fact two resurrections. The Bible speaks about the first resurrection in Revelations chapter 20, verse 5. Scripture says that, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And so all of the saints will be raised when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth uh, to reign on the earth for his millennial reign. And that is the first resurrection. However, all the unbelievers uh, will remain uh, where they currently are in Hades and they will only be raised at the end of our Lord's millennial reign. And uh, when they are raised at that time, that is obviously a de facto the second resurrection and that is when they will incur their judgment. Um, we saw in the previous teaching that uh, the unbelievers have in fact already been condemned. Um, our Lord referred to the two resurrections when he was on the earth. He spoke about the resurrection of life and the resurrection of condemnation. And the resurrection of life is obviously referring to the saints' uh, resurrection. And the resurrection of condemnation obviously refers to the um, unbelievers' resurrection. And so our Lord referred to it as a resurrection of condemnation. And the reason that he could do that was because uh, they have already been condemned. And we saw in Scripture our Lord said that whoever doesn't believe in Him has already been condemned. And so that is the condemnation that um, all unbelievers have incurred already. And so we saw that <clears throat> their day of judgment is not to pronounce uh, guilt or innocence, um, for they have already been pronounced guilty because they've already been condemned. But their day of judgment is uh, pretty similar to the saints' day of judgment in that we've already been saved. And so we will not stand before the Lord Jesus when we're judged to determine whether we will be saved or unsaved. Uh, that is already dealt with in this life. Uh, you, you're born again in this life. And so that has really taken care of our salvation. But when we stand before the Lord, we will be judged with regards to the works that we've done and the rewards that we will receive for our works done for all eternity. Now, exactly the same manner, the unbelievers, when they are judged, will not be judged for whether they are going to be saved or not because they've already been condemned. Their judgment is, in fact, a sentencing judgment. Um, so just as the saints, when they stand before the Lord, the books will be opened and the works will be judged and they will be rewarded accordingly. So when the unbelievers stand on their day of judgment, uh, the, the books will be opened and they will be condemned according to the works that they have done. And so it really is a judgment of sentencing that will take place on that day. Um, and then we saw that it in fact is the saints who will be judging the world. Um, that our Lord has given that honor to the saints. He speaks about it in the Psalms, in Psalm 149, verse 5, the scripture says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. 
and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. And uh, Paul spoke quite clearly in the book of Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, he says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? And so there are, and there's more scriptures. We went through a number of scriptures in the previous teaching that very clearly teach us that the saints will be judging the world. And so we saw that God the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. Uh, God the Father will not judge anyone. He has committed all judgment to the Son. The Lord Jesus has reserved uh, His right to judge His saints. And so we will stand, each one of us individually, as believers before our Lord Jesus on, at our resurrection, at our judgment, and He will judge us individually. However, what he has done is he has committed the judgment of the world to his saints. And so the saints are the ones that in fact judge the world at the resurrection, at the end of the Lord's millennial reign uh, that will happen. And then we saw also that the saints will be judged in the angels. Um, now the angels we're referring to are in fact Satan's angels. And we know that in scripture uh, teaches us that one third of the angels uh, fall under Satan's realm. And so those angels will in turn be judged by the saints on that day. We saw that Satan himself will not be judged by the saints for his judgment has already taken place. Um, but nevertheless, his angels will be judged by the saints. And again, 1 Corinthians 6 uh, verse 3, Paul writing, he says, Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And so um, that is uh, basically what will take place on that day. We saw that there will be absolute myriads of people and angels standing before the throne, the great white throne of God, on that day to be judged by the saints. Because uh, it's estimated that roughly the, uh, 100 billion people have lived and died on the earth um, since the time of Adam. And uh, we haven't yet reached the end of the age. So as to how many people will in fact um, be judged on that day is yet to be determined. But the vast majority of the hundred billion that have since died um, have gone and descended into hell. And they're currently in hell now and they're waiting in torment for their day of judgment. Just as the saints are in heaven currently and resting in glory waiting for their day of judgment. And so the two are waiting for their day of judgment to occur. And so yes, there will be myriads. And then don't forget about all of the angels that will still be judged. We have no idea just how many angels in fact form part of Satan's kingdom, but it must be myriads of angels as well. And so all of those angels will be judged by the saints on that day. And so what we want to do today is just finish off on this teaching on the unbeliever's judgment. And that includes obviously Satan and his angels as well, because they are to be judged on the same day. And uh, we're going to look today at the fact that there are varying degrees of punishment that will be incurred on the day of judgment for the unbelievers. And remember what we said, that their day of judgment is in fact a day of sentencing. 
for they've already been pronounced guilty. Now all that needs to happen is based on the works that they've done in their lives, uh, the degree of guilt um, will be then pronounced and then the appropriate level of punishment will be uh, given to them for all eternity for the, the lifetime, the lifestyle that they led when they were on the earth. And uh, scripture reveals to us Hades has different levels of, um, different levels in Hades. And each level, the lower down one goes in Hades or hell, um, or the, 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 the pit, um, the bottomless pit it's referred to, the abyss it's referred to, it has various names given to it. Um, but the lower down one goes, the more um, wrath and punishment one, is, one incurs. That is how hell is basically set up, is that uh, the higher up you are in hell, the less, the more tolerable it is. Look, it's all intolerable because our Lord spoke about the fact that it's unquenchable fire and womb that never dies. But nevertheless, um, it is more tolerable in, in the higher levels of hell than it is in the lower levels of hell. The further one down goes, gets cast down into hell, that um, is indicative of the great, greater degree of punishment that the individual will incur in hell. Now, Hell is just a, a, a stopover, so to speak. It, it is a, a holding cell. It is not penitentiary. Um, so, you know, when, when an, uh, an individual is going through their trial, they, they're held in a holding cell, and once uh, uh, guilt is pronounced and they are then sentenced, they are then transferred from the holding cell to penitentiary, where they then spend out their time uh, of punishment. Um, hell and the lake of fire and brimstone are pretty much in the same categories because hell is the holding cell, so to speak, and all of the unbelievers are being held in that holding cell. And in fact, Satan and his angels will also be held there for our Lord's millennial reign. They're not there currently, but they will be held there for our Lord's millennial reign. And at the end of our Lord's millennial reign, all will come out of hell, including Satan and his angels, and then will be uh, stand before the great white throne and before the saints of God, before our Lord Jesus Christ, and they will then uh, be judged and their sentence will be passed. When that happens, they will then be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Now, the lake of fire and brimstone is called in Scripture the second death. And that is what we would classify in this life as the penitentiary. That is where they will then go for the rest of eternity. And so you get people who serve out life sentences in penitentiary. Um, these individuals will then serve out their eternal sentences in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so in that lake, there are also uh, various degrees and levels to that lake. And so the lower one goes down in that lake, the greater degree of punishment that will be incurred by the individual. Um, the higher up, the lesser degree, it will be more tolerable for the individual at a higher level in that lake than it will be for the individual who's placed at a lower level in that lake. Both will be intolerable from the point of view of its uh, pure torture and punishment for the rest of eternity. Nevertheless, there are varying degrees 
of uh, punishment that will be incurred, and that is felt depending on where one is placed in that lake, higher up or lower down. And so the scripture that we pick up, there are a couple of scriptures we pick up in, uh, in the Bible that teach us what hell is like, in that hell has different levels uh, allocated to it as well. And because we can see what hell is like, we can then, it is inferred that this is what the lake of Fry and Brimstone will be like as well. And so the first person we want to have a look at is our Lord Jesus himself. Because the scripture teaches us that he was cast down into the lowest pit of hell. Now he had to be cast down into the lowest pit of hell because he had to incur the wrath of God for all of mankind, for every sin committed by mankind. So for the most wicked person that has ever lived on the earth, our Lord Jesus had to pay the price for their sin. And so our Lord had to be cast down to the lowest pit of hell so that he could incur the full wrath of God um, for all of mankind. And the scripture that we can have a look at is in Psalm 88. Now Psalm 88 if you go read that passage of scripture, I think um, Samuel 22 as well, uh, the passage of scripture does give us an indication of just what it is our Lord went through when he went into the lower parts of the earth for three days and three nights after, after he suffered death and was buried uh, when he died on the cross. And so the scripture that we want to look at is in verse 6 and 7. This is our Lord speaking uh, when he was in hell and he's relating it. He says, to God the Father, you have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all of your waves. And so our Lord Jesus was, was cast down to the lowest pit of hell. God the Father did that. Um, and he had to do that because Jesus had to pay the price for all of the sin of mankind. And so that is what our Lord incurred. And so, you know, we see what our Lord incurred, kind of. We see historical evidence thereof and we, we, a biblical account of what our Lord incurred when he went to the cross. And uh, prior to him going to the cross, uh, him being scourged by the Roman soldiers to the point that, you know, he was unrecognizable, the Bible tells us, that he was more than any man. And so we see, and the nails going through his hands, and the nails going through his feet. And we see, um, and the thorn of crowns on his head, we see the, the, the absolute torture and the punishment that he went through uh, when he was still alive. But we don't really see and or understand the torture and, and the punishment that our Lord endured when he in fact went down into the lowest pit of hell. And he suffered the wrath of God for the sin of mankind. Um, for that is really uh, the, the punishment that our Lord really, uh, I mean, he, he went through uh, amazing punishment when he was still alive. But uh, when he went into the lowest pit of hell for those three days and three nights, he incurred the wrath of Almighty God, um, the full wrath of God that all mankind deserved to receive. Jesus took that upon himself. When he was cast, into the lowest pit of hell. And so our Lord went down there and uh, he had to go there in order to pay the price, as we've said. But there's somebody else who we know who um, is earmarked for the lowest pit of hell, and that is Satan himself. Now, Satan will go into the lowest pit of hell and his angels. The Bible talks about the fact that they will be cast into the bottomless pit. Now, that is the lowest pit of hell. We'll have a look at the scripture now. Um, that 
is for an interim period that they are cast into hell. And that is for the, our Lord's millennial reign, that thousand year reign that our Lord will do on the earth when he will set up his reign on the earth. The Bible teaches us that at the end of our Lord's millennial reign, Satan and his angels will then be released from the bottomless pit once again. And they will go out into the earth and they will then again deceive the nations of the earth to rebel against our Lord Jesus and to rebel against his saints. When that happens, God then will destroy them. And that is when the, the second resurrection will take place and the judgment of the unbelievers will take place and the judgment of Satan and his angels will take place. But prior to that, while Satan and his angels in our Lord's, during our Lord's millennial reign period um, are in hell, um, they will also be cast down to various degrees of hell. And Satan will be cast down into the lowest pit. Let's have a look at the scripture along that line, which is in Isaiah chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. This is God the Father speaking. He says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation of the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet, verse 15, you shall be brought down to Sheol. Sheol is just another name for hell. To the lowest depths of the pit. And so we see very clearly that Satan is uh, earmarked to be taken down to the lowest depths of the pit. And that is where he will spend uh, that thousand years um, when our Lord is reigning on the earth. And so, yeah, that's, that's just an indication of two individuals. Our Lord went down there and Satan is destined to be uh, cast down to the lowest pit as well. And so just to give us an indication as to why it is that it is going to be more tolerable for those at, at a higher level in hell than those at a lower, or as we say also, in, in the lake of fire and brimstone. Our Lord actually uh, gave us some insight on that particular aspect. And um, we picked that up in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, beginning at verse 10. Our Lord speaking, he says, But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. Now verse 12 is really what we want to concentrate on. But I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And so what our Lord Jesus did was he compared, and he was talking about the cities that the saints, uh, his disciples had been ministering in while he was on the earth, included himself, uh, because he spoke about Capernaum. Um, as one of those cities. And so our Lord was doing a comparative between the cities that had heard the gospel preached in them to the city of Sodom. Now Sodom and Gomorrah, we all understand from Scripture, were two very wicked cities, uh, so, so much so that our Lord actually destroyed them by fire because of their wickedness. But our Lord says to us very clearly that on the Day of Judgment, that the cities who heard the gospel preached and rejected the gospel will it um, will incur a greater degree of punishment 
than the city of Sodom because our Lord says it will be more tolerable on that day for Sodom than for the city that rejected the gospel being preached. And so very clearly there is going to be varying, varying degrees of punishment that will be incurred on their day of judgment. And it's, in, excuse me, it's interesting to note that um, a city as wicked as Sodom, our Lord said, would, it will be more tolerable for that city than for the city of Capernaum who heard the gospel being preached in its synagogue by our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that's how serious it is to reject the gospel. But we'll get into that a little bit more detail as we go through the teaching. Um, and so there is definitely going to be, there is in hell today, there are varying degrees of punishment that are incurred. And as we mentioned, the, the lower down one goes into hell, the greater the degree of punishment that is incurred. And uh, the lake of fire and brimstone will be exactly um, in that scenario as well. Now Satan's angels also, uh, we said, will be judged by the saints on that day. And not all of Satan's angels will incur the same degree of punishment because even in Satan's kingdom, there are varying degrees of wickedness among his angels. Not all of them are as wicked as, the, as others are. And uh, we can pick up, again, our Lord was speaking. He, he gives us insight into this. Um, in Luke's gospel again, Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, our Lord just giving us some insight as to what actually takes place in Satan's uh, kingdom. He says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. And so Satan's kingdom is a, a, the picture our Lord gives us is that it is in fact a, a dry place and there's no rest for his angelic beings who are in his kingdom. And this is one of the reasons why they so strongly desire to indwell uh, human uh, humankind because it gives them a place where they can escape um, the kingdom that they are pretty much banished to at this point in time. And finding none, he says, this is the demon speaking, the unclean spirit, he says, I will return to my house from which I came, verse 25, and when he comes he finds it swept and put in order. This is now obviously the individual has had the demon cast out of him and so now his life has gotten back in order again because now he's in his right mind again. But the problem is that he finds it swept. Another a gospel account talks about the fact he comes over and he finds it empty. And so it's, you know, it's a very dangerous thing, actually, for have, to have a demon cast out of an individual and not replace um, the Word of God into that individual's life. Because that person goes out, he's, he's in his right mind again, his house is swept and put in order, but because he doesn't have the Word of God inside of him, the demon comes back, and look at this, he's, the state of him is actually worse off afterwards. Verse 26, Then he goes, this is the, the same unclean spirit that was cast out, and has now come back and found uh, the, his house swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And so the, the, the individual you know, has had the demon cast out of him. He's not had the word of God placed into him. And so what happens is the demon just comes back. But now when the demon comes back, he does something interesting. He goes and he finds seven other spirits more wicked than himself. 
and they come and all seven of them plus these other unclean spirits so there's eight in total now come up and take residence inside that individual that individual is off in a worse state than he was before when he just had the one unclean spirit that was cast out and so you know it's so important that when demons get cast out of individuals that the word of god is then placed into their lives so that they um they don't, they, they, their houses are not empty so to speak but that's kind of digressing on the point that we want to discuss here, and that is that there are in fact um, spirits in Satan's realm that are more wicked than others. And because there are spirits and demons and angels, obviously, that are more wicked than others, even in his realm, those who, on whom judgment will be pronounced on that day, some of them will receive a greater degree of punishment than others because uh, certain spirits are just more wicked than others and so they will incur a greater degree of punishment than others and so that is how the the judgment will kind of pan out on that day it'll all be based on the degree of wickedness that the person has attained to and that the angel has attained to uh, those who have been more wicked than others will incur a greater degree of punishment than others all of them will be committed to the lake of fire and brimstone. No, no, none of them will be uh, immune from that because the Bible very plainly teaches us that all whose names are not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And all unbelievers, plus all of Satan's angels, um, their names are not recorded in the book of life and they will therefore be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And so let's just have a, a brief look at um, the varying degrees of punishment and who will incur the greater degree of punishment on that day. Um, and we've already seen that Satan has already been earmarked for the lowest pit of hell, so he obviously will be earmarked for the lowest uh, level of in the lake of fire and brimstone when he is cast into that. The, the next category of, of uh, individual now this is excluding Satan's angels because obviously they, they will also be judged accordingly but we're just going to look at the unbelievers now um, and the various degrees of punishment that will be incurred by the various uh, categories of unbelievers on that day the first one that we will look at are in fact Satan's ministers um, and now it, it, it is pretty much a given that they will incur the greater degree of punishment on that day. They will be cast down to the lower levels of the lake of fire and brimstone. And the scripture we can pick up there is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 13. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul writing, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. And so here we have false apostles and false prophets in the church um, who in fact are ministers of Satan. So they are his ministers and he has placed them in the church and their primary role and primary purpose is to deceive the church is to uh, do as much damage to the church as possible now they, they pro uh, proclaim themselves to be apostles of righteousness and prophets of righteousness and they you know on the outside they look exactly like that because 
they disguise themselves into into um, ministers of righteousness. Um, and yeah, Paul says, you know, Satan can do this. Satan can transform himself into a, an angel of light. Um, and so that's exactly what his ministers are able to do. They're able to really put up a good show so that everybody assumes that these individuals are in fact ministers of righteousness where in fact they're not because they are sent into the church to deceive the church and to cause the church to go astray and so these individuals will incur the greater degree of punishment um, on that day in that they will be cast down to the lowest pit of the lake of fire and brimstone the next category that we see that will incur a greater degree of punishment, uh, not as much as the, the Satan's ministers, but nevertheless uh, a greater degree of punishment, are those who in fact fall away from following after Christ. Now when I say fall away, I'm talking about individuals who are born again, filled with the Spirit, um, have experienced the things of the Kingdom of God, have served the Lord for a period of time, and have subsequently decided, you know, Christianity is not for me anymore, thank you very much. And they go back into the world and they deny Christ as their Lord and Savior and they you know, follow after the things of the world and they give up their Christian faith, so to speak. Um, and so the scripture we can pick up there is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. The scripture says, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace and so here's an individual who was born again washed in the blood of the lamb and has subsequently uh, trampled underfoot the son of god and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace and so there's a tremendous degree of punishment that is in store for those particular individuals and there's quite a few of them by the way um, and towards the end of the age when the, the event of the falling away takes place in the church um, you know there will even be more that will be added to this particular category because they would have trampled the blood of Jesus underfoot and counted it an uncommon thing now that's not talking about uh, individuals who've heard the gospel and rejected it this is talking about individuals who've heard the gospel, accepted it, received the, the cleansing of the blood of the Lamb, and then subsequently have um, denied Christ and thus trampled underfoot the blood of, a, of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will incur a greater degree of punishment on that day. Then there's another category of individuals that will experience uh, a, a greater degree of punishment on that day, and that, those are all the followers of the Antichrist. Uh, when the Antichrist is revealed in the last days, uh, all of the myriads of unbelievers who will follow after him and uh, proclaim him as being their God, um, they will incur a greater degree of punishment on that day. And that scripture we can look at is in Revelations chapter 14, beginning at verse 9. Scripture says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, 
and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. And so there will be myriads of unbelievers in the earth at that time who will follow after the beast and the, the Antichrist and uh, receive his mark. And they'll have no problem receiving his mark. It will not be through reluctance that they will receive the mark of the beast. Uh, they'll gladly receive his mark because they will proclaim him as their, their God and their Savior. And there is a, a special uh, degree of punishment in store for those particular individuals and they will receive a greater degree of punishment on that day. And then we have, and we've kind of mentioned it already when our Lord spoke in, and we quoted it in Luke's Gospel, all who hear the Gospel preached to them and reject the Gospel, uh, they are, will re receive a greater degree of punishment. It's a very dangerous thing to hear the Gospel preached um, and not accept it, obviously, because now you, you, you're lost for all eternity. But uh, believers need to take this into account as well. It's actually a very dangerous thing to share the gospel with individuals. Now, well, I'm not saying because uh, of that aspect, we shouldn't share the gospel. We should most definitely share the gospel with individuals. But you will recall when our Lord went, uh, when, our Lord, when Paul and his team wanted to go preach the gospel in Asia, the Lord said, no, you can't go there. And they wanted to go into Bithynia, and the Lord said, no, you can't go there. Uh, then they went into, into uh, Macedonia because uh, the Lord showed them that's where he wanted them to preach the gospel. Um, there are certain areas that our Lord hinders his saints from preaching the gospel at certain times. Now, if you go study scripture, you will see the gospel was eventually preached in Asia. It was eventually preached in Bithynia. But uh, it, obviously those individuals were not yet ready to receive the, the preaching of the gospel. And so... It, because it is, I mean, you know, our Lord spoke about it. He said, guys, the, the, the towns that I've preached in Capernaum, um, and he, he mentioned the slide, there were a couple of towns that he spoke about in, in the passage of Scripture. Um, and they had rejected the gospel. You know, they'd received the healing that the Lord had provided for them, but they had not become disciples of Christ. They had, you know, rejected him as being their Messiah. They received him as being a prophet who could heal, but being the Messiah, no, they weren't prepared to accept that, and they weren't prepared to acknowledge him as Messiah. And so um, they had now received, heard the gospel and rejected it. And our Lord said very plainly, because he did the comparative, he said, a city like Sodom is going to be more tolerable for that city, those individuals, now just think how wicked that city was. Um, it'll be more tolerable for them on that day for the, than for the individuals who heard the Lord Jesus preaching the gospel. And not only Jesus, he was talking about all of his disciples that went out during that time to preach the gospel. And so even today, wherever individuals of the kingdom go out and preach the gospel, when other individuals, unbelievers, hear that gospel preach and reject it, um, they have then just uh, committed themselves to incur a greater degree of punishment for all eternity. And so, yes, it's, it is a very dangerous thing to hear the gospel um, and obviously to not accept it. And then uh, the, the next category will obviously then be all of the wicked. And there's the Sodoms and the Gomorrahs included in that category. Now, even within that category, you get obviously those who are more wicked than others. Think about the Hitlers of this world and the Stalins of this world. Um, are far more wicked than an individual 
who goes to church every Sunday and pays his taxes and doesn't beat up his wife and he's a good provider in his home, but he just doesn't accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Um, he believes that you know, a good life is good enough. If I live a good life, God's going to let me into heaven. Um, he might not even believe that heaven exists, but he believes in living a good life. And so they do. You get a lot of unbelievers in the earth uh, throughout the ages who were very, very good, upstanding citizens, um, model citizens, you know, who, who uh, were benevolent and, and gave a, a huge amount of wealth uh, to charities and things like that, but, you know, just never accepted God as their saviour and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Um, each one of those are committed to the Lake of Fire and Brimstone. Their names are not recorded in the Book of Life. And so, you know, even though they have been upstanding citizens and really lived good lives, their whole lives, you know, at the end of the day when they die, they are um, cast down into hell and they are committed to uh, an eternity of punishment in the lake of fire and brimstone. Now they will not incur, it will be more tolerable for them on that day than the Hitlers of this world and the Stalins of this world. Obviously, that is, that's, that's the, the comparative. But nevertheless, both individuals will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And so that is basically the different, different categories of individuals and the differing degrees of punishment that will be incurred by uh, all unbelievers on that day. And the saints will be the ones who will pronounce that judgment. Now, the lake of fire and brimstone, um, it's just, we'll close off with this point because that is where they will be cast into for all eternity. That lake of fire and brimstone is not something that will then appear all of the unbelievers and Satan and his angels will be cast in. And don't forget, death and Hades themselves will be cast into that lake as well. That lake then is done away with and never to be thought about or mentioned ever again. That's not the case at all. The scripture is very plain to us that that lake stays with us, the Lord's saints, for all eternity. It never goes away. It remains just outside the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly city of Jerusalem. God the Father will create a new earth and new heavens. This is after our Lord's millennial reign, after this, the, the, the judgment of the unbelievers, and they've been cast into the lake. God the Father will create a new, he, uh, new heavens, plural, and a new earth. When he does that, the heavenly Jerusalem uh, that God has made for the saints will descend from heaven onto the new earth that God will create. And God the Father will reign with our Lord Jesus at his side, at his right hand, from the heavenly Jerusalem that will then be uh, located on the earth at that time. All of the saints will dwell with our Lord and God the Father in the heavenly Jerusalem. I call it heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, because it will be on the earth at that time. Um, and we will dwell with God the Father and our Lord Jesus for all eternity in that city. Just on the outside of that city will be this lake of fire and brimstone. It won't go away. It will always be there. Um, and the smoke of the torment of those in that lake will ascend for all eternity. And we'll see it. We'll not ever not see it. We'll be obviously living in, in, in paradise with God, but this, the, the smoke of the torment of the lake of fire and brimstone will be visible to all for all eternity. We'll not ever 
um, forget that it's there. Not only will we see the smoke of the torment of those in that lake for all eternity, but we will be able to go outside of the city and view those who are in torment in that lake for all eternity. That uh, sounds kind of hectic, but that's exactly what the scriptures teach us. And I'm just going to quote one scripture on that line, but there are uh, others as well that talk about exactly that same thing. And in fact, in Psalm 59, our Lord comments to God the Father. He says, do not destroy them, lest my people forget. Um, so it's a very interesting comment that the Lord makes. And so we see that they are not, the, these unbelievers and Satan and his angels are not cast away from the point of view of we just never hear from them ever again or think of them ever again because they will always be visible to us and we will always look upon those who have rebelled against God. And so the comment that our Lord makes in Psalm 59, you can go read it, where our Lord says to the Father, do not uh, destroy them lest my people forget. Uh, there will be a reminder for all of us, for all eternity, that's what takes place to those who rebel against God. And so let's go have a look at the scripture. Uh, Isaiah chapter 66, beginning at verse 22. And the scripture says, this is God the Father speaking, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain, talking to our Lord Jesus and talking to his saints. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me. And so we will observe the Jewish feasts now, they, they observe the Sabbaths and the new moons. We will also observe the Sabbaths and the new moons in the age to come. However, what the Jews do today is a type and a shadow of the real thing that we will partake of in the age to come. Um, and we're not going to get into that teaching today, but that's just what I, you know, because we, we've read it in the scripture, I just want to make the comment. Shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Verse 24. And they shall go forth, this is us, the saints now, not only the saints, but also those who are dwelling on the earth uh, at that time, but that's another teaching. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And so there it is, very plainly. That lake of fire and brimstone will be located just outside of the city walls, and we will go forth and we will look upon these individuals who are tormented for all eternity um, because they have chosen to uh, transgress against God and not to believe in the atoning sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so that is eternal judgment. Um, we've dealt through the series on the eternal judgment. We've obviously concentrated mostly over the series of teachings on the eternal judgment of the saints because that pertains to us. Um, it's interesting to see and hear what will part, uh, take place with regards to the unbelievers to a point, but you know it doesn't really impact on us except the fact that we will uh, be the ones pronouncing their judgment. Um, and then obviously, as we just read, 
we will see the, the result of their judgment for all eternity, as we will receive, see the result of our judgment for all eternity, for we will see uh, where God will place us in his new Jerusalem, and we will reign with a, our Lord Jesus for all eternity and with God our Father. Um, and so that is the, the teaching on eternal judgment, um, and I trust that as you go through these series of teachings, that you will have a clearer understanding of what the doctrine of eternal judgment is all about. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point today. Amen.